va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Centro de Ozil. Un extraordinario, espectacular centro de Mesudo Zil. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly morning to you. Ah, uh, there it is. It is a goodly morning indeed, isn't it? Oh, oh it Fine, is. Goodly morning. Yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel well this morning, not simply because Christmas is coming and we're all full of festive cheer and good spirits mm. and perhaps still a little pickled from the night before when you had that one or two or five glasses of wine. Too many, not simply because of that, but because, James, I'm happy because we won and I'm pretty sure that this win did not cost you anything in terms of your physical well-being and, and that makes me happy. What makes you so sure? I just, you know, I, I can just tell. I've, you know, I went to see Star Wars this week and I can sense the force around me now, you know? Right. And I, I'm, okay, feel, I'm feeling that you're all right. Well, you're correct. You're correct in your assessment. You are a true Jedi. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm well. I'm well. I'm physically well. I'm mentally well. It's Christmas, guys. It really feels like Christmas. The magic of Christmas is in the air and sprinkled all over the Premier League table this morning. Oh, yeah, and Premier League management situations and everything else. It's been it's been quite a good weekend, all things considered, hasn't it? It's been a fabulous festive time. This is the first time I've spoken to you since uh, your friend of mine, Jose Mourinho, was relieved of his duties on Thursday. Mm, I was a bit sad, I have to say. I was a bit sad. I was, hope, I, was hope, yeah, I was hoping it would get much worse for him. Like a lot worse, right, 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 right. But you know, for, for like relegation or oh, I don't know. Just to just to the point where one of the players hated him so much that when he was taken off, he punched him. You know that kind of thing, right? Yeah, I, I think that's getting pretty close to be honest. Yeah, um, we were we were we, we weren't far away from it. Where we Diego Costa sort of nutting him on his way to the bench. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, still always good to see him go. It is. It is, and but but what about him going to Manchester United? Because Louis Van Gaal, he's he's having a terrible time there. So they're thinking, well, hey, let's get rid of one guy who plays negative, destructive football and bring in another one, a different one. It's not really the Manchester yeah. United way, is it? The axis of evil that well, could be formed by Jose Mourinho, Manchester United. Saints, behold, I think that will happen. Actually, do I can you see him there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Edward Wood, who's the I don't know. He's, he's the important person at Manchester United. I don't know what his real job title is. He's quite close with uh, Mourinho's agent, apparently. Oh, Mendes. Sort of that's Mendes. right, yeah. Yeah, because they mm. did the Falcao deal and all that. Di Maria. So I wouldn't bet against that, Di Maria. Wouldn't bet against it at all. Whoa. That really would be a complete confess, wouldn't it? I mean, that is the way to put it. Yeah, that's how I would describe it too. Yeah. So look, let's not worry though yet uh, at this moment in time about what other football clubs are going to do and let's concentrate on what Arsenal did last night against mm. Manchester City. You know, this is a team that's absolutely blighted by injuries. No Alexis, who of course has had a bit of a setback. We'll come to that later. We've got no uh, Coquelin, no Cazorla, no Danny Welbeck. You know, th these are important players to, uh, to an Arsenal side that should have ambitions for going for the title. And against Manchester City... We, we 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 did them well. 
Yeah, we did. And I think you're right to point out about the injuries because when the starting lineups came out, you know, I looked at those two sides and I thought, oh, I was nervous. I thought City's side looked very strong. And Arsenal deserve enormous credit for the way they've restructured their team, having lost, you know, Cazorla, Coquelin. There was no Alexis, as you say. They've very, very quickly managed to find a new way to play and a new way to win. And we saw that evidence last night. I thought... You know, Joel Campbell, someone who wouldn't ordinarily be in a starting lineup, was really excellent. Matthew Flamini, another sort of fringe player, very good too. And uh, it was a thoroughly deserved three points in the end. I mean, in his press conference, Pellegrini talked up City, said that they outplayed Arsenal at times, but that's not how I saw it. I thought Arsenal were strategically more intelligent than maybe they have been over the last few seasons and prepared to sit back when they needed to mm. and soak up some pressure. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of hairy moments, of course, just before we scored. De Bruyne really should have either scored or or assisted David Silva. Mm. Um, and that was a little bit worrying because it was one of those where I was looking at it going, don't don't go, Koscielny, don't go, don't go. To- oh, fuck. Because all it took yeah. was for, for one little flick from Aguero and he put De Bruyne straight through on goal. And, and, you know, I guess maybe that's part of what you have to accept with Koscielny and part of his game is that he does like to win the ball high up the pitch. But the the danger of that, of course, is that when, when he's bypassed, it leaves us a bit open back there. And, uh, you know, Per Mertesacker on his own, they, I think they were pointing it out on Sky afterwards how well he did defensively in terms of his positioning to just at least put a bit of doubt into Bruyne's mind. Yeah, he did do really well. And Hector Bellerin, I think, recovered um, unsurprisingly quickly too to sort of get back and potentially carve a, a route to David Silva. It was sort of emergency defending from Arsenal having... Having Koscielny stepped up and made that error, they actually did pretty well given the circumstances. But it was really soon after that that Arsenal took the lead. So that was a, a massive little period of the game, wasn't it? Incredibly important. Mm, yeah, I mean, look, look, it's fine margins in football, isn't it? One one minute you could be behind, the next you're ahead, and the the I guess the the flow of the game changed quite a bit because I thought that that energized us. We had been a little bit willing to sit back and let City have lots of the ball, which is fine. I understand that that we wanted to use. Uh, that that kind of a tactic. But as soon as we scored, we looked like we might score again and again. There were a couple of occasions before we got the, the second goal. So look, let's touch on that first goal because when the ball was played down the channel to, to Monreal and Walcott took it, I was thinking, oh, what's he done? Because, you know, Monreal had made a good run down there looking for the overlap. He had plenty of space and you're thinking, oh gosh, what's Theo going to do here? And then he did what he did. What a finish. Yeah. Brilliant finish, wasn't it? It reminded me a little bit of the, the one he whipped in against Aston Villa last week that was offside, you know, this yeah. same uh, same sort of quality of strike. Really superb goal. I mean, when Walcott does something like that, you always sort of assume that he might think he's offside anyway because it's when he's at his most unthinking that he's at his best. Uh, and that was really a top-class strike. Joe Hart, absolutely no chance. And I thought he had a good game, actually, Theo Walcott from the left-hand side. He switched to the right in the second half, but... He looked more defensively switched on than I've seen him for some time. Yeah. And we've talked all season about Arsenal maybe be unwilling to play him on the flanks, but I don't know, maybe maybe he is an option there after all. I thought he was very, very good. Yeah, well, he's going to have to be an option, isn't he? Because we do have these uh, these injury problems. But yeah, I thought that was one of his best all-round performances for Arsenal. Um, you know, he's never going to be a guy who's who who 
he's not going to be a fulcrum in your team. He's not going to be the guy to keep play moving. He's not going to make uh, the most passes in the team. But yesterday, he obviously scored a great goal. Um, his defensive work was fantastic. I really enjoyed that moment in the second period uh, when Sterling was down our right-hand side and all of a sudden Theo Walcott comes over and tackles him and comes away with the ball. It's like, hang on a minute. What's going on mm. here? Brilliant and fantastic to see. And I think he was ably supported. I think you pointed out Joel Campbell as well. Uh, he, he should have scored last night, no question. But the overall um, energy and effort that he put into his performance was outstanding. It really was. Yeah, really good. And I mean, he was. there was that little passage of play. I'm sure we'll get to the second goal now where... I mean, he seemed to win about three tackles and then ultimately his pass was slightly misplaced, which kind of summed up his night. But the sheer effort was really something to behold. Mm. You know, he really, really puts the effort in. You see him chasing across the pitch, you know, 70 minutes into the game. And uh, it's great to see because, it, look, you know, I think perhaps he, as well as anyone, will would accept that maybe he's not the most technically... Um, not up there with the best uh, players that we have technically, but what he can make up for is is through sheer work and endeavour. And, uh, you know, he should have scored, though, shouldn't he? He should have made the game safe at 3-0. That one, was it from the Montreal cutback? Yeah. Which went over the bar? Yeah. yeah that was a great chance, great chance. Um, and at that point, you know, the game would have been dead, I think. For a third goal, would have absolutely killed it. Mm. As it transpired, we had that kind of nervy finish. But before that, we... We did go 2-0 ahead and Mesut Ozil is second assist of the night. Is it 15th of the season now? Yeah. And, you know, he's done that off his sickbed this week. He was in bed with a chest infection, apparently. So I think that sums up a bit about his character, not simply his quality. I mean, we know the quality that he's got as a footballer. But, you know, when when your team really needs you, he was there. Um, And uh, Mm. probably not feeling 100%. I think that was obvious from certain parts of his performance that he wasn't quite at, you know, his, his sparkling best in terms of fitness. But to be able to do that, I mean, I think that that second goal is a really, really nice goal. Uh, quite underrated, perhaps, yeah, because it looks really simple. But, you know, Giroud is often criticised for not having any pace. And I, I think maybe he's not quite as slow as people say, but he's never going to be a guy who runs away from a defender. He's never going to use the space in behind. It's very rare that that happens. Uh, but the movement that he has, the quality of his movement, took him away from Otamendi and allowed Ozil to make the pass into the perfect area and for him to, to finish. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought the reason I enjoyed it actually was quite an unusual Giroud goal. You know, it's not the sort of goal we see him regularly score. He's often at the near post or scoring headers, but this one was all about peeling away from his man. And because he doesn't have that pace, the weight of the pass had to be absolutely perfect. Mm. And of course, it was from Urzel, allowed Giroud to take it early and went through Hart's legs and into the net. And that was a massive goal, absolutely massive, because just before half time, you know, it was a a huge blow to City and a massive fillet for us. So, you know, th- th- the importance of that can't be underestimated. I think had it been 1-0, it would have been a, a very different affair in the second half. Yeah, particularly as it was sort of self-inflicted in a way because it was a poor pass from Mangala uh, that gave the He's ball a to mess, walk on. Mangala yeah. can't... I mean, what did they pay for him? 30, 40, 40 million, 40 pounds? million pounds. I mean, look, maybe, maybe he might, you know, settle in. But I think when you're spending 40 million pounds on a player... You want some um, some fairly uh, quality straight away, right? Sure, you'd think. I mean, yeah. The, but he, then this he, is City; they can pay the they can pay what they want and uh, and wait and see how it pans out. You know. True. Won't mm. financial fair play get them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. 
That must be it. What happened to that? Yeah. So look, 2-0 at halftime, everything kind of cool, everything's rosy. And even with 10 minutes to go, you're thinking, okay, we're going to do this the relatively easy way. And then Yaya Toure came to life and, and scored. I mean, a, he'd, a, done, he'd been useless, really, till that point, I would say. He'd been strolling around the pitch, barely involved. My Twitter timeline was just a host of people saying, can't believe, you know, sad to see Yaya playing like this. Perma Taka had nearly killed him with one challenge. Did you notice oh, that? Oh, that was brilliant. I loved that. That was so yeah, good. No, That's a real old-fashioned centre-halves tackle as well, wasn't it? It was, sliding right through him. However, that just appeared to wake him up because the way he put that goal away, I mean, I don't, we don't want to talk focus on the opposition too much, but that was an absurdly good finish. Yeah. It was br- absolutely brilliant. Um, and I can appreciate that goal because we've won. You know, H- had that goal cost us a point or two points, I would not be, I would not speak kindly about it at all. But as, it, mm. as we can just sort of go, well, nice consolation, well done. A bit like um, uh, Giroud's goal against Manchester United a couple of seasons ago. Do you remember he came off the bench? Yeah, yeah. The, and, smashed uh, it. Yeah, yeah. It just absolutely brilliant goal. But ultimately, nobody gives a shit about it because, you know, we, we didn't get anything from the game. Um, so similarly, in that regard, Toure's goal was absolutely brilliant. But I think he missed a great chance as well, didn't he, to equalise a few moments later, um, sort of clean through yeah. and, and sort of put it wide with his with his left foot. So yeah, we, no, we just, lived on the edge a little bit. Yeah, and he came to life in the last 10 minutes and Arsenal lost their shape a little bit, I think, with some of the changes they made. You know, Gibbs came on and uh, Chambers, Oxlade-Chamberlain, and I feel like we lost, you know, Ozil went off, so we lost that kind of ball retention that I think is quite important mm. to us. Um and we were a little bit ragged and probably a bit nervous too. Certainly the crowd were nervous. Certainly I was nervous as well, sat watching it. Uh, but we did hold on. And the celebration at full time, you know, well, as soon as the whistle went, Czech and Mertzaka were embracing each other. Mertzaka and Koscielny, you know, I think everybody knew. I think all the players knew what a significant result this was. Yeah, it really is a big result, isn't it? Because if we can say we're the only team that's beaten Leicester so far this season, that's fine. But I think there's still a feeling that Leicester will slip away, that they're not necessarily genuine title contenders um, Mm. because they're perhaps a bit too reliant on on a couple of players. But to beat Manchester City at home, I mean, this was a chance for City to go ahead of us. Um, What's the gap now? Four points on Man City? Uh, Four points to City, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's... I mean, there's still a hugely long way to go this season. and uh, But you'd much rather be in that position than having drawn or dropped points at home. And it was one of those uh, criticisms that's been levelled at us quite frequently is that we can't win these big games. Um, You know, there are still ups and downs in them, of course, but that's that's another win over... That's two wins over City now in 2015. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. And also this season, you know, we've beaten both Manchester clubs now at home, um, both in quite exhilarating fashion by Munich too. I think, you know, there's real momentum there now. And looking at the table and looking at the betting odds this morning, you know, Arsenal have effectively made themselves favourites for the title, which is quite a frightening thing to say because <laughs> we've been in that position before and fallen away from it. Mm. Um, but in some ways, Leicester, I think, probably doing us a favour you know maybe they're taking a bit of the pressure a bit of the spotlight off us by being up there in top spot yeah uh, to, to a certain extent if we can stay within touching distance it doesn't really bother me them being there because like you I think that come the spring we we might see them start to fall away mm. yeah I agree so 
just keep just keep sneaking up behind them. That's it. And then overtake them and then stay then stay in front and then win all our games between now and May and and that should be that really. I mean it's just, it's it's easy, isn't it? Yeah. We're on the home straight. Yeah, exactly. Put it like that. You know, there should be no hassle in winning this <laughs> Premier League. But look, I mean I, I I come back to the injury situation and the players that were missing. Um I think it's a testament to to the guys that were out there and how hard they worked uh, that they were able to offset that to to such an extent that it was only the last 10 minutes of the game and that includes injury time when we were worried really by City um, you know at home so I mean I think that's a, that's a big testament to those guys they put in a huge amount of work physically so um, are you a little bit worried about how the next couple of games are going to go because of, of how much they've had to put in absolutely because you know we play in four days time is it Boxing Day at Southampton yeah then two days later uh, against Bournemouth so we all know this is a very difficult part of the season, a very hectic schedule, but I think particularly given the impositions on our squad caused by the injuries, this is going to be tricky. And there is no choice but to rotate. Yeah. I don't think you can just play the same team who played against City in both of those two games. There will have to be changes. Uh, and there aren't a huge amount of options when it comes what, to that. What, what, do you think think... He's, what do you think he's going to do? I mean, do you think he's going to go as strong as possible uh, for Southampton away and then two days later, Bournemouth at home, look at that as a game where perhaps you can rotate a bit more than you might usually simply because you have to? Yeah, that's what I would do. I would see if I could get these guys, you know, through the, the Southampton game. Uh, the same team would be City and Villa. And then Bournemouth... You know, I think you might see someone like Kieran Gibbs come in into the midfield. Maybe only one of Giroud or Walcott start up top. Mm. Oxlade-Chamberlain begin on the right. I think there are ways you can change it around. And at the back, too, Debussy, someone like that could come in. Gabriel. Um, no Debussy on the bench should... last night. No. Should we yeah, read anything into that? I don't know, because you've got Callum Chambers there who can fill in at holding midfield and, and at right back. So he's maybe a, a more versatile choice, but... I have to say, I do think there's got to be a strong chance Debussy goes in January. Um, I know Arsenal will be keen to keep him, but you know he's made an awful lot of noise about not playing games, and that doesn't really look like changing dramatically anytime soon. So, mm. I, 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 yeah, I think he he might be on the way, but whether that's connected to him being on the bench, couldn't tell you. No, not sure. Or not on the bench. I mean, he was in training. They put put up the training pictures. He wasn't there. Should we, you know, get into the realms of conspiracy theory here and suggest that perhaps he went up to Arsene Wenger and said, "Oi," and then there was a falling out. Yeah, maybe. Is 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 "Oi" French for? I would like to issue a transfer request, please. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of an abbreviated version of "Please let me go and play somewhere else, Mister Wenger." Please. I thought so. I got all that. From, yeah, just from that sound. I probably I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't get the accent right. You see, that's why it was a right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you think he'll go? You know what? It would. It wouldn't surprise me simply because it doesn't make any sense for us yeah, to sure. let him go. You know. Um, but I think what, what what has happened in recent years is that there have been certain loan moves that have happened. Uh, in January that have made little sense to us at the time, but ultimately have proved to be a reasonable decision. You think of Arshavin 
that that mm-hmm. that winter when he went and the transfer window had closed if I remember correctly and it was February before before he left he went off to mm-hmm. to Russia wasn't it so their transfer window was still open and you were thinking well look you know things haven't been great we had Thierry Henry on loan at the time if I'm right and then he had to go back right. to to MLS and you're thinking well gee, you know we should just keep him simply because Look, it's another fit body. We had injury problems, uh, problems with depth. He he was still capable of things now and again, I guess, Arshavin. Yeah. Um, you know, so it made sense to just keep him around in case we needed him. But uh, in the end, it proved the right decision to uh, to send him out. So I think Arsene Wenger will weigh it up and maybe, maybe he might look at Debussy leaving as a way of giving Callum Chambers more game time. Yeah, that could that could be a way of doing it because you know he's got to have eventually play more games Chambers if he's going to develop. Mm. And I, and the other signing, a sort of sale, sorry, or loan out that was a bit like that was Lucas Podolski, wasn't it? Only yeah. a year or so ago, um, you know, a player who could always come off the bench and get you a goal. But Arsenal decided to move him on. And was that a winter one or a summer one? It was a winter one. He went to Inter Milan. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty useless for them, to be honest. I think he was voted the worst signing of the January transfer window or something like it. So, <laughs> uh, Arson, Arson knew once again. So, yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't blow my mind if Debussy did a, a similar thing come come the window. Yeah, all right. Um, so, obviously, then, um, an, another problem injury-wise for Alexis was due to be in the squad, uh, due to be on the bench last night, but apparently two days ago or two days before the game had a little bit of an issue in training uh, with his hamstring. Arsene Wenger saying that he's going to be out till mid-January. Now, am I the only one who's sort of not entirely convinced this is a disaster? Well, because, uh, go on. Well, I, let's say he's had this little setback at it. And it, it certainly will rule him out of Southampton on Boxing Day. If you look at our next two fixtures, it's Bournemouth at home and Newcastle at home. And while Alexis is be very important in overcoming any opposition, I, I would like to think that given that we beat Manchester City last night, we've got a squad who should get through those two games without mm. him. So I just wonder if this little extended break might actually be a, a good thing for him and enable him to come back a little bit recharged and a bit a bit closer to the Alexis that we were seeing, you know, at times earlier this season. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. I guess, you know, you, you talk about Southampton away and that might be the game where we miss him, you know? Yeah. So th- that that's where my worry would be. But I take your point about Bournemouth and certainly in the FA Cup, um, the manager is always a bit more likely to rotate. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe that might be a good thing. You know, I don't think there's any uh, argument with the fact that he was, certainly this season, hasn't been at his physical best. You know, he's had some fatigue issues and, um, you know, he's had some patchy form, I guess, at the start of the season. Um, but, yeah, maybe maybe it would be a good thing in the end because that would give him what, essentially, given that he was injured on November 29th, and he, let's say he comes back on January 10th, that's what Arsene Wenger said, or even mid-January, that's essentially a six-week break in the middle of the season yeah. to sort of fire him up then for the second half. Yeah, that's a, that's a full winter break, really. I mean, I also think that it's quite good for the confidence of the side that they've been able to go out there and get a big result without him. Uh, he's so important and such a match winner for us at times, but I think the fact that someone like Walcott has stepped into literally his position in the team and assumed responsibility is a good thing. And I think it means that if we have to do it without Alexis at another point later in the season, maybe it won't be quite as anxiety-inducing 
as it would otherwise have been. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that said, I'd rather have him in the team, obviously. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But look, we're, we're we're looking for silver linings, right? Yeah, there, it's Christmas, guys. There's a cloud, and we're looking for a silver lining. So you know, Let's I think we've positive. It. Yes, of course. Okay. Good. Now, uh, did you see Arsene Wenger's interview with uh, Being Sport? No. Right. He was talking to Andy Gray and Richard Key. So I didn't watch it either because those two are a pair of objectionable, noxious cunts who I don't want right. anything to do with. However, okay. my esteemed Arsblog colleague Andrew Allen watched the video and did a transcript, which you can find over on uh, Arsblog News. And he talks mm-hmm. about January and about the need to buy players in January. And he says, okay. uh, he says, we are short and the number of games you have to play in January is, is very important. God knows how we will come out of the Christmas period, which is very demanding on the physical front. We need to do something. And then he says about uh, names of the players that he's interested in. He said, I'd love to give you some names downstairs at the bar with a coffee, but not in front of your camera. Ha <laughs> ha So uh, I, I don't know if he laughed like that. I'm assuming that he did because yeah, I'm I, that's, sure I would. Did. I would. Yeah. Um, yes, I, well, I nearly did. So that 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 sounds fairly positive, right, for January? Yeah, that's. I mean, and the thing is, my only slight hang up is that I feel like I've heard Arsene be that positive before, and then as the window wears on, sometimes he becomes less definitive in terms of his need to do something. But yeah, it, it does sound as if he's he's keen to to try and get some business done. Hmm. You'd have to think they know what they want to do already, right? Well, they've got like let's let's put it out there, right? A midfielder is an absolute must. We cannot go through the rest of this season without another midfield body coming in. I don't think. Mm. I would. I'd be inclined to agree. Okay, so let's say they've got their eyes, their beady eyes across Europe on you know defensive-minded midfield players, whoever that might be. I suspect that it's going to be somebody that we've you know who doesn't have much of a profile. That's what I think. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a really high profile. I don't think it's going to be a twenty million pound signing. I don't think it's going to be even a fifteen million pound signing. I think it'll be somebody around the ten, five to ten million pound mark from a club that we don't necessarily think of and a player that we don't necessarily think of. That would be that would be where I think we're going to go there. Okay, I can see, I can see that. So Alexis has got a few little problems um, with his with his hamstring. Danny Welbeck. Doesn't sound terribly promising for him in terms of Sounds his. Sounds bad, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, Sounds you know, bad. it's all very vague, which is worrying. That's always worrying when, when the uh, the injury absence is vague because it basically means they don't really know when he's going to come back. Um, yeah. So I, I think there's I think there's scope for a forward signing. I said this on the Arscast on Friday. I think there's room for a forward signing as well. Yeah, I think maybe a wide forward. That's yeah. my instinct. Like yeah, someone. Someone who could play, I guess, in those... I mean, Alexis and Welbeck are both players who play from that left-hand side. or So someone who could play on either flank, I think, could definitely be on the cards. Yeah. Hmm. The, this the Spanish chap, Nolito, who's been mentioned. Don't think so. I think he's, he's pledged his future to uh, Celta Vigo, as far as I'm aware. So, ah, um, there you go. Yeah. So well, I don't man, know, what again... a choice to make. Yeah. Again, I think it will be perhaps somebody... Either on loan, a wide player, you know, or or uh, against somebody whose lower profile uh, was potential. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I don't think Arsenal would go out and sign a sort of thirty, forty million pound player in January. I mean, that that happens very rarely, anyway, doesn't it? It's not yeah. easy to get a deal of that magnitude done midway through a season. Mm. But I do think that 
there is an appetite to improve the squad. And I think that's partially born of the fact that the manager sees, as well as we do, that there is a massive opportunity here, that Arsenal are in a strong opposition at the midway point of the season, as they have been for some time. And, and also, crucially, many of their rivals aren't. Mm, it does feel like if we did the right business in January, that we could really kick on and really have a good chance of, of winning the, the league this season. That's what it feels like to me. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of positives that you can take from this season. And what I would like to see is that those are, uh, I won't say addressed is the wrong word, but those are noted. And then we can say, well, how do we make ourselves even better? You know, in this second half of the season, how can we give this squad the kind of boost that will really drive it towards the title? Uh, and I think that comes from the from the transfer market. Yeah, I would agree entirely. My, and obviously, the whole time we're talking about this in the back of my mind, I'm going, it feels like we've said this a million <laughs> times before. Yes, there, there is a touch uh, of familiarity to it, but hey, but hey. Hey-ho, hey it'll ho. be fine. Last look, we, last January, we really needed to go out and get a centre-half and we signed one in Gabriel Polista who looks excellent. Mm. Uh, this summer, we wanted a goalkeeper, got Pedacek world class mm. so there are indications there that we are getting a little bit more efficient in terms of doing our business let's hope that trend continues come yeah. January yeah I mean it, it did feel to me like they, they they wanted to spend some money this summer on an outfield player but couldn't obviously find the the right guy uh, uh, striker perhaps uh, to do that but you know maybe that um, maybe that wasn't such a bad thing after all considering how well uh, Giroud was playing 13 goals his last 15 yeah, games that- Fantastic. And Theo Walcott as well contributed in that position earlier in the season. Yeah. I think that's something that's really interesting and worth pointing out about Arsenal is how the team who won Man- uh, who won Manchester City, <laughs> we've won them. We keep them forever. Yeah. Uh, the team who beat Man <laughs> we t- the team who beat Manchester City last night is so different from the one who won let's say at Leicester earlier this season, which was all about, you know, Alexis playing from the left, Theo Walcott through the middle, Cazorla is the deep line midfielder. The team we used last night is almost entirely unrecognisable. Giroud up top, you know, Ramsey style in the middle rather than Santis. We've effectively, you know, used two very different 11s with different styles almost in the course of the same season and yet retained a certain consistency. And I think that tells you a lot about the quality of the squad, but also... The flexibility of the manager and his approach, you know, I think he's been criticised in the past for being intransigent or being too stubborn or sticking to certain ideals. And yes, he's been forced to adapt, but he has managed to do that and he's found a way to make the team win despite dramatic changes. And I think that's certainly to his credit. Fair point. Well made. Thank you. That's all right. Very formal. Yes, indeed. How about we take a break and then come back and do part two and some questions and stuff? What an original idea. All right, let's do that. We're back in a sec. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter, at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog. Uh, James, in the spirit of Christmas, I'm going to give you the chance to go first. Wow, what a wonderful gift. Does that mean you didn't get me anything else? I got you pregnant. Lovely. Well, that's what I wanted all along. Um, okay. You've got like a little Kwatu baby stuck to your chest like uh, uh, Total Recall. Lovely. Open Lovely. your How mind. How did you know? 
Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I kind of, we've known each other for a while now. I could just you tell. it. Yeah. The Force the again. The Force again, exactly. Uh, the Force Awakens in Andrew Mangan. Okay, so uh, this is a question. It's on about injuries, the most festive of all subjects. Mm. It's from Daniel Tag. And then his Twitter handle is at Tag Daniel. So it's flexible about the order of those I going. like it. And he asks if either Sanchez or Coquelin could return tomorrow, who would you choose? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think, assuming that Alexis was on the same schedule, like the players are on the same schedule, I think I'd yeah. choose Coquelin. Because uh, I think you, you made a good point earlier about the, the benefits of him getting a little mid-season rest. It's only mm-hmm. to mil- mid-January anyway that he's going to be out. So I think that would be worth waiting for. Whereas if we could get Coquelin in alongside Ramsey, and I think Flamini has done quite well, and we'll probably have some flamtastic questions now in a, in a moment. Um, Lovely. I think I would, I would pick Coquelin to come back. Because he's not due back till the end of February. It means we get him back sooner. We have like a real uh, depth there. Well, real depth, some depth in that um, central midfield uh, position. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that would be it for me. What about you? I think I'd agree, actually. I, you know, were Theo Walcott style, it might be different. But now that we've got Walcott back, and now that he's showing that he can potentially fill in on that left-hand side while Alex is absent, I just think Cockland's skill set... He's still so almost unique within the Arsenal squad. I think Flamini has done well, as you say, better than probably anyone could have anticipated. But I do think there's still a gap in quality between him and Coquelin, so he'd be the one I'd have back. I think if you've got that defensive security and that solidity, then I think with Ozil playing the way he is, we've probably got enough going forward to beat most sides. And I, and I would say, although we... You know, although we did beat Manchester City, I think there were times where that lack of screening midfield was exposed. You know, when you talk about that De Bruyne chance in the first half, mm. Koscielny did step up, but the midfield were also about, you know, 40 yards from goal, both of them, you know, both caught well upfield. So, Cochran, he would be my choice. If I could have anyone back, he'd be the one. All right. Well, here's a load of questions about Flamini. I'm just going to run through a few of them because uh, a lot of people have asked about about uh, Matthew Flamini. So, for example, Talking okay. Arsenal at Talking R says, Goodly morning. Who is that in Arsenal's midfield and what has he done with Matthew Flamini? Right? Uh, gentle German yeah. Gooner at Jojo Wack. That's his name. He says, how many times did you say Flamini did well there during the match and how much did you say it after? Sam Hill at Sam Hill 22 says, is Flamini's unbeaten run at the Emirates something that needs to be taken more seriously? Same with DZG, DZG 83. He says, what are your thoughts about Flamini never losing uh, a game at the Emirates? And finally, Marcus Franson, uh, who's at Marcus Franson, says, Flamini? So nice, nicely put, Marcus. Yeah, Flamini. Um, Flamini. Uh, yes, would be my answer. Now, I think the the unbeaten record thing is pretty extraordinary, right? Mad, isn't it? Fifty six games, apparently. It's like the anti Bale. Do you remember there was that time when Bale just couldn't win any game with Spurs? Yeah, it was a wonderful period of harmony, um, and then it all came to a terrible end when he became really good at football. But yeah, extraordinary stuff, and I think Flamini. He does, you know, he has done really well. I think I was sort of dreading him coming into the side, to be completely honest with you. But he's been solid. He's been effective. 
I think Aaron Ramsey's been pretty superb, actually, I've got to say, alongside him, and I think that's helped. You know, Ramsey took a bit of stick last night for some misses, but I thought his all-round game was excellent. Mm. Uh, uh, and he's putting in a lot of energy alongside Flamini. But we all know why this is happening. It's because the contract is ticking down. Correct. He's he's uh, He's got a buzzman on the horizon, playing like a demon. And, uh, you know, next year he's going to sign for, I don't know, PSG or Real Madrid. Madrid yeah. Barcelona. Yeah, one of them will take the flam on a free, pay him £50 million a year. And, uh, and then we'll have him back in four years. <laughs> Player manager, Flamini. Cycle continues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I think he's done really well. What have you made of him? Yeah, look, I think uh, yeah, uh, he hasn't convinced me yet that we don't need to make a signing. Uh, you know, I, I no. still think we need to, to make a signing. But in the short term, I mean, maybe there's, uh, you know, something to be said for the fact that, you know, he's whatever, 30, 31 years of age. He is experienced and he should be able to come in and do a job and know what kind of a job he's supposed to be doing. And I agree with you about Ramsey as well, although there was one moment, maybe late in the game, I don't know if uh, City had scored yet, but I was, uh, we had the ball down in their right-hand corner flag, and it was like, Aaron, what are you doing there? Come on, let's get back, please. Let's get back into sort of more <laughs> central midfield where, you know, you don't need to be that high up the pitch this late in the game. Uh, but I think that's, I think that is just part and parcel of Aaron Ramsey as a footballer and something that we're going to have to, something we're going to have to live with while he's in the team. In the same way that, you know, sometimes Alexis might overcomplicate things, Ramsey will just chase and run and harry and, and try and uh, make things happen higher up the pitch than he needs to at times. Um, but maybe that you know that's that's just part of the balance of having him in the side. I think so. so. I think so. And Flamini has curbed his attacking instincts a bit. You know, after that Spurs game where he scored twice, there was that little spell, wasn't there, where he was constantly up in the, the opposition's penalty area, yeah, trying to score. So he's he's you know he's reined that in a bit, which is a good thing. But I would agree with you that nothing I've seen from him makes me think, oh, we don't need to do some business in that area that, yeah. uh, this January. We still we still desperately need to add someone. Uh, Someone superior, probably, sure. in that position. Sure, but credit where it's due. You know, um, they've been asked to form a partnership. Um, having one Flamini hasn't played there in a long time. He hasn't played at all, really. Uh, he was just a bit part player. And Ramsey's been playing on the right-hand side. And, you know, since they've been in there, results have been pretty good. So, you know, um, hats off and keep it up, chaps. Well, similar question, I guess this is, uh, from at West Antone. He asks, has Campbell shown enough to become a regular part of the first team squad or should we persist with the Ox? So I suppose what he's asking there is, is it is it going to come down to a direct choice almost between those two players for, for a place in the squad? Maybe it will. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that Campbell has taken the chance that's been given to him and proved that he can be a member of this squad. I don't think he's ever going to be a first team regular. Uh, you know, mm. when everyone's fit. <laughs> Sorry, just uh, laughing, at, <laughs> laughing at the idea. A little that, Christmas cracker joke there. Absolutely. Yeah. My dog has no nose. How does he smell? He doesn't because he doesn't have a nose. <laughs> of course not. Mm. Yeah. Nor do many of the Arsenal players. That's yeah, they don't have the noses. injury problems plaguing us. Yeah. Francis Cochrane lost his. Yeah. Um, but look, I think I think it could be a case that it comes down to an either or, uh, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. 
for both players. Because it means that they've got to maintain a level or one of them is going to come out on top. And isn't that the, the ideal situation that you have two players competing with each other and the one who's playing best gets a place in the side rather than somebody being there simply because there's no other choice. Um, and I think mm. it is telling as well that Campbell in a big game last night against Manchester City, you know, let's, let's face it, he's only really broken into the team in the last four to six weeks. You know, yeah. on on any kind of regular basis, and before that, Oxley Chamberlain would have been the manager's absolute choice, no question about it. He would have chosen Oxley Chamberlain over Campbell, and Campbell has done enough in the performances, uh, you know, in in this period of time to to put the ox on his ass on the bench. So look, you know, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a problem. I don't think it's also a, a case that we have to write off Oxley Chamberlain, even if this season has been quite disappointing from him. I was expecting a little bit more, but you know it hasn't quite panned out that way. But I think that that's part and parcel of um, of a professional footballer's life. We've got to see how he responds. You know, so uh, exactly. I'll be interested. His response to the goal was great, wasn't it? Did you see that? There's a vine going around of his response to the. Oh, I, uh, I haven't seen that to the Walcott goal. It's good. It is good. He sort of gets off the bench really? and does a little kind of sort of dance, uh, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. You do like to see that even when players are out of the team, you know, that they're still still on board, still part of the, the squad atmosphere. And, you know, I think Cam, uh, watching from the bench, uh, Oxley chamberlain would have seen kind of what he needs to do in Campbell, you know, that even though not everything Campbell tried came off, his work rate was superb and his defensive attitude is very very good and I think that's an area where Oxlade Chamberlain's fallen down this season mm. and come up short you know I think he could learn a lot from Campbell just in terms of his, the sheer diligence that he puts in in terms of protecting his fullback um, so you know it is an intriguing battle Campbell's emergence a real surprise I don't think it's quite at the level of what Francis Coquelin produced last season but it mm. is another reminder that you can never write somebody off yeah yeah all right, well, here's one. This comes from Sandy Dominique, all right, who says, Okay. Booing Sanya, WTF, Nasri, or VP, Adibayor, of course, but Bakary didn't deserve that, even if it was only a few. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I would actually agree. Do you think maybe they were booing the absence of Bakary Sanya's magical hair? Could be. Because I, I certainly find it startling and unsettling when I see him without his little extensions in. Mm. It doesn't look like the Feels real Bakary Sanya, doesn't it? It looks like some kind of some kind of clone. An impersonator. Yeah. He's actually been quite good for the sort of grieving process of moving on from Sanya joining Manchester City because I don't really recognise him as the same man anymore. <laughs> yeah, look, Sort of like he's a different player entirely. Yeah, there's always going to be some who will do it and there's, a, there's an element of pantomime to it, I think, to an extent. You know, that it's just a former player returns. But, you know, for me, I never had any problem with, with Sanya leaving. Um, you know, he no. was a guy who gave pretty much everything uh, in all the time that he was at the club. Um, couple of broken legs, am I right? Yeah, indeed. Actually, yeah, two broken uh, legs. One one at Spurs and one uh, against Norwich, I think. The same leg, I believe, was it? Yeah, you know, and... Uh, he was one of our most consistent players during one of our most inconsistent periods uh, as a football club under Arsene Wenger. You know, he came in and was... Yeah, um, one of the most... I would say one, probably one of the most under-rewarded Arsenal players in terms of, you know, performances versus actual recognition in terms of silverware. Yeah. Like, he he could have he would, he would, could have played for the Invincibles, in my, in my opinion. Mm. 
yeah. without too many problems. But he he happened to play for a club in a period where we were not great. <laughs> certainly up and down and uh, when he chose to move on I had no qualms with it at all really I mean I, w- I wanted him to stay don't get me wrong but I understood his reasons to go and I think yeah I was a little bit surprised here in Bood but that's just part of football isn't it I mean all ex-players are going to encounter that to an extent yeah yeah it just seemed like he of all the players who've left us in recent years uh, to go to a rival he did it in the most gentlemanly way possible in that he saw out his contract he didn't agitate for a move he didn't go you know sneaking around talking to people behind the, the club's backs or you know with with agents here and there to, to get out of his contract before the end of it he saw out his deal he did what he had to do and went to a club that were giving him as a player well into his 30s a very lucrative three year deal I don't see the problem don't see the problem no I would agree with you there. All right. Um, speaking of defenders, okay. this is from Glenn AFC at Donkey Adams. And we have been somewhat remiss, Andrew. We haven't mentioned either of the centaurs really last night, who I thought were both outstanding. But his question is, am I getting carried away thinking Koscielny now deserves to be Tony Adams' centre-back partner in my best ever Arsenal eleven? <laughs> um no, I mean, if that's what you want to do, that's great. I think he's fantastic, Koscielny. He really is. There's still some, like we saw last night with the De Bruyne chance, that there's a, a risk-taking element to his game which can be a little bit costly at times. It can backfire. Mm. Um, mm. But for the most part, he's just a fantastic player to watch, isn't he? he you know, he drives the team forward from the centre of defence, tries to make things happen. And actually, was it not his pass to Ozil that the, uh, started the move for the first goal. I think it was. It was indeed. It was indeed. I thought he was our best player in the first half, even though he made that mistake. You know, he, he was very aggressive in the tackle, but crucially, he was also the guy, as you say, who, when he got the ball, was prepared to, you know, break through the midfield, try and make something happen. Yeah, it's an incredible gift, really. That acceleration he's got, he can just get away from his man. It's no problem. So he can make an interception and beat a man almost in the same move. And I think he has matured into a brilliant, brilliant central defender, far better than anyone could have hoped. And, you know, when you talk about us signing a defensive midfielder and maybe it'll be someone in that £10 million bracket and someone we haven't really heard of, well, then let's hope it's somebody like Koscielny who arrived with no reputation whatsoever in this country. Mm. And now I think Rio Ferdinand said the other day that he rates him above Vincent Company as the best centre-half in the Premier League. Well, I mean, the, the uh, thing about that as well, though, that. is yeah, the thing about that is that he doesn't have a grotesquely misshapen head like Company. you no. know? So I think that, that's, that, that's, true. That's, that's a benefit for him. I, I think that is what Rio said, actually. I didn't read the full quotes, but I imagine that came up. Yeah. Yeah. And what about that pass to Joel Campbell in the second half? Like diagonal 60-yard over the top of the defence and it was only like a last-ditch tackle from Kolarov and Campbell that prevented him from getting a good shot on goal. Yeah, outrageous, outrageous. I mean, that's the thing about Koscielny. Like, he's someone who really loves to defend but is blessed with so much technical ability. Um, I think he was superb against City but I thought Perma Saka very good as well. Yeah. And it's almost impossible to talk about them individually because they do dovetail so well uh, that as a pair... You know, they're, they're really excellent. Okay. All right. This one comes from Eric Carbon at F Carbon. Mm-hmm. And he says, in ice hockey, 
there are rules for how big the protection gear for goalkeepers is allowed to be. I wonder, are there any rules for football goalkeepers? I was thinking perhaps that Petr Cech could use a modified protection hat, which is huge, to make it even more difficult to score against him. Like a really, really huge hat. This is a great idea. I mean, Petr Cech, he doesn't need too much help. He's doing all right with that little hat, to be honest. Yeah. He took a pretty special goal to beat him last night. But... Yes, so some sort of very wide brim, maybe, that would sort of stretch from post to post? Well, I was going to say some kind of material that just is, like, impenetrable, like a force field almost. A force field hat? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that would be good. I mean, the thing is, basically, I imagine this being quite heavy, but if it's big enough, he won't have to move, so it's not really an issue. Yeah, I mean, it might affect his fitness. What about gloves? Are there rules about gloves? Is there a reason goalkeepers aren't wearing like those big, you know, foam hands that people wear to American football matches and stuff? Like why why don't people just wear giant gloves? I guess because the minute the ball's on the ground it would be really difficult to try and pick it up. But if you remember not sure. too long ago goalkeepers didn't really wear gloves. Pat Jennings he didn't wear gloves. Crazy. Yeah. It increases the surface area. And your grip. Yeah. But what if you wore, like, four pairs of ever-increasing gloves just to make your hands that big bigger? Well, they that do. make a difference? They do. These these new gloves that they have have got sort of, like, metal-tip fingers and stuff that stretch out, you know. No. Really? Yes. They're like, they're like, yeah. It gives them, like, that extra reach, which is why when you see a goalkeeper make a fingertip save, often the ball, it's enough to send the ball away. Because of the the technology behind the gloves, you see, these like hard fingertips, this. you see. So that's Years why Years of refusing well, to if, go in goal. If it was, if it was just, if it was just rubber, and someone lashed a ball, and you touched it with the rubber, the rubber would just bend back, and it would make no difference to the trajectory of the ball. So the the fingertips of the gloves are hard. Would this work with boots as well? Could you make your boots longer so that you could, you know, as a central defender? make sliding tackles that you couldn't otherwise make if you just had, like, long, pointy boots. Yeah, like Mexican um, criminals, like the guys from Breaking Bad, the two brothers. Exactly like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Ooh, yeah, you wouldn't want to connect with an opposition uh, player between his legs, though. That would be be difficult. Well, perhaps you would. I don't know. Maybe. Depends who it was. Steel toe caps, perhaps, on your boots? Like Doc Martens? I'm sure that's something. Yeah, why not? Why not for for our new holding midfielder? Um, all these all these little increments. I mean, Puma, get on it. What are we paying you for? Well, what we're paying them for is really disgusting shit. Third kits, as far as I can make out. Oh right, okay, yeah, no, fair enough. That does make sense actually. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe assess that situation in January. See if we can get them. Can see if we can get a massive hat and some really long pointy shoes for Matthew Flamini. That yeah. would be ideal. Okay, I'm good with that. Um, I've got. Great, goodly, goodly, goodly. I've got a Christmas question. All right, then let's have your uh, let's have your Christmas question. Okay, this is my Christmas. It's not my Christmas question. I'm lying. It's actually at Ben CrossFit's Christmas question. He says, "Would you rather have Christmas crackers for fingers <laughs> or <laughs> roast turkeys for feet?" Well, I think the problem with Christmas crackers for fingers is that people will come up to you all the time and start pulling your fingers off because everybody loves Christmas crackers, right? 
It, it certainly gives new meaning to the phrase pull my finger, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, you pulled my finger and you've got like a really uh, flimsy paper hat, a terrible joke. What was your favourite Christmas cracker thing that you used to get? Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the paper hats, I'll be honest with you. I'm the sort of guy who will make everyone else wear the paper hat for the duration of the day. Right. If anyone takes it off, I will let them know that I'm not happy about this. Woe betide them. Woe betide them. Yeah, exactly. I, I am a sort of, I'm fascistic, I would say. Right. I love of the Christmas hat. Mm. Do you remember, I, maybe I'm alone in this, but do you remember one of the games or little things you used to get inside a Christmas cracker was this weird kind of plastic red fish and you put yes, it the mood you, fish yeah you put it in your palm and then it would tell you if you were like in love or if you were sad or if you were happy yeah. because of the way that its tail would flip up and shit if the head and the tail moves at the same time it means that you are betrothed to Satan or something like that. There's yeah. like all different things. Yeah, we, I was messing around with one this weekend. Well, I say that. We couldn't get a real one. We just used a real fish, dead fish, <laughs> just held it in our hands, sort of sort of waited for it to move. It didn't really work. Right, okay. But, no, they were they were very strange. It was a, a dark magic that possessed those things. Yeah, I mean, where did, they, where did they come up with the technology for those in the 70s and 80s? I mean, how could they tap into the mood? Of you, you, your very person, your being, with this tiny little sliver of plastic or whatever it was. I think it's the same kind of alien technology that powered the Magic 8 Ball, to mm. be honest with you. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, so you could have those at your disposal within your fingers. And I would say once the crackers that are on your fingers have been pulled, they regrow. Into fresh crackers. Yeah, but they take a long time. How long? 12 months, maybe. 12 months? So they come around for Christmas. Yeah. I mean, they'd be pretty useless as fingers all year round. Roast turkeys yeah, for feet. Yeah, roast turkeys for feet. Mm. I don't know about that. I feel like that would... Squelchy. Wouldn't it be squelchy? Yeah. Heavy going, I'd say. It'd be like walking through walking through a bog every single day. Yeah. It I don't know. It wouldn't be nice. And like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you had human feet but were wearing roast tur- turkeys as shoes, I could go for that. Yeah, but not turkeys as feet. That would not, that would not, not be good. Not turkeys as feet. Yeah. But turkey's shoes, I'm beginning to think, could actually be quite cool. Yeah. You, know, I, you just uh, pop your foot in. It's obvious where it all goes. Can't see them lasting too long, you know? That'd be the only yeah, thing. maybe not. And then, of course, you know, you, you, you run the risk of, of wild dogs and foxes just coming after That's you it. wherever you go. They'd be eating your feet off. So I think I'd have to go with the Christmas cracker finger simply because, uh, A, at least you'd be popular because people would say, hey, good to see you again. How are you? And you go to shake hands and they go and pull pull your crackers. Um, And you might get one of the mood fish. So I I think I'd I'd be down with that. I really want I really want a mood fish now. Do you? Yeah. Well, it's good. There's still time. December 22nd, as we speak, three mm. days. People of the world, find this man a mood fish. Yeah. Tell Santa to drop it in. Yeah. One, Dublin Street, Dublin. That's it. That's it. That's, That's your address. address. Oh, shit, I gave your address out live on air. Oh, my goodness. Um Ask Blog HQ, 1 Dublin Street. Okay. Um, all right, well, that's good. I think I'd go with the fingers as well. I just think it's a great conversation starter, isn't it? You turn up at a party. 
In fact, I might even try it this Christmas at a few festive affairs, just strap a load of crackers to my hands. Yeah. What could go wrong? Yeah. I, Maybe I, if, if that goes down well, attach fireworks, make it even more of a display. Exactly. You could have a Catherine wheel on your tongue just for the laugh. I mean... If I do, Arsenal will probably win the league. So <laughs> let's all hope it happens. Yeah, you can imagine the next podcast. Good morning, James. Because <laughs> your tongue would be gone, you see. Yeah. It would be all gone. Worst things could happen. Mm. Worst things could happen. Do you... Um, okay, okay, I've got great, one final. I've got one final one. One final one. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. All right, this one comes from Tapio Ranta at Hopeful Gunner. And he wants to know... He wants to know, do you use any Arsenal players' names as swear words? Like, come on, you Abue. Interesting. No, I don't think I do. I think when I sneeze, rather than a chew, I make a sound more akin to the correct pronunciation of Chesney. Um, <laughs> but I'm not sure that counts as a swear word. No. Uh who who would be a good swear word? I don't know. I I've guess. often thought I've often thought that you know um, if you go to if you go for a wee, right, and you know that you, mm. you you shake it off a bit and then you put it back in, but every so often sometimes it's just a little bit extra that splashes out. You can't be helped. Yes, you do your best, you try your hardest, but there's still just a little bit of wee that splashes out, probably onto the front of your light-coloured pants so everyone knows that there's a little bit that's splashed out. I think that little bit of we should be called a Gervinho. Ah, yes. The Enio sort of implies, like, small as well, doesn't yeah. it? So it's like, if you really if you really piss yourself, that's just a Gervais, right? But <laughs> just a little bit that comes out, that's a Gervinho. <laughs> yeah, that's good, actually. <laughs> Because it think, works with Ricky Gervais it. too, because he makes me want to. Of uh, he makes me want to wet myself with fury at his fake laughter. I can't just can't get my head around his fake laugh. Just can't do it. Can't do it. Well, he's made a lot. He's made a lot of money out of that fake laugh. <laughs> yeah, right. If, I mean, I think if you yeah, start doing right. that on our podcast, we'll be millionaires. That could be um, the way to go. Yes, I think. What do you do if you if that happens? Like, if there is that little droplet, do you sort of try and dry it under a hand dryer? Or do you go, well, I know, I, I think this would be my clever technique to deal with it. I would wash my hands, but then splash the water all, all over my trousers. And then when come out, sort of like suggest that actually the, what happened was that the sink, the taps were out of control and they'd sprayed up. And that is why. Yeah. That would be the way to do it. Or, you know, if you were wearing a shirt, you could, you know, hold a shirt over it. Or you could just sort of walk along and just hold your hand over the bit and then come back and sit down. But it generally, I think it would I've only tried, happen. That looks weird. It would only happen if you were on a date, I would imagine. It hasn't happened sure. to me in years because I've been married a long time. But I'm pretty sure that if I went on a date, that that would be the first thing that happened is that, you know, go to the bathroom, come back to the table. And, you know, there's a big, uh, you know, Gervinho on the front of your pants. Yeah. My issue is that on dates, I, I usually urinate before I go to the bathroom, and that's where it all starts going wrong. <laughs> Puddle feet. Yes, exactly. That's that's my nickname. <laughs> Puddle feet. <laughs> Jemima Puddle feet. Um, <laughs> J train Puddle feet. Continent duck. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, look, I think, uh, yeah, what else could you do? I don't know what else you could do. What happens if you off. Yeah, jump up in the air and fall over? Is that a Baptista? Do you do a Baptista? I don't know. Oh, yeah, Baptista, that would be nice. Mm. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, the thing is, generally, I like them. I like our lads, so I don't really think of that. You know, swear words are sort of nasty words, aren't they? Yeah. I'd be more inclined to say something was a John Terry. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Than I would a Meza Ozil. Well, that's a big... looking for emphasis. Yeah. But that, you know, when it comes right down to it, is a big load of gallus. I think you're Sylvestering there. Fine, fine, fine. That is fair. All We've right. certainly had a few. All Sorry right. to have been such an abue. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's going to be just about that. Um, so we should wish you all a, a very, very happy Christmas. What are we going to do next week? Are we going to do one next week? What's the, what's the story? Well, what's your I schedule so, like? I think it's we've got another Monday game. I think it's Bournemouth on the Monday night. So maybe we'll be doing another Tuesday one. Yeah. Yeah, the 28th. The 29th. Yeah, so 29th, yeah. So we'll have to do a 29th Arscast Extra. Yeah, looks that way. All right. Looks well, that way. There'll be no ask cost on Christmas Day, I imagine. No, no, I, I'm not going to do one on Christmas Day. I'm actually going to you know, spend some time with my family and, and that kind of stuff. Ludicrous. You know? I know. Infuriating. I know, I'm, I'm a bad man, but what can you do? What can you do? Yeah, that's All right. just your character, I guess. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you very much indeed for listening throughout the year. Um, we'll be back next week with another uh, Arscast Extra. And um, shall we leave them with something festive? Why not? All right. Bye bye. <laughs> when festive fixtures come around, we are nowhere to be found. We're hanging out with Shab Forsyth on each match day. So we decorate our tree With bits of Danny Welbeck's knee We'll be ripping open presents And be rupturing crucial ligaments all the way Well I wish I wasn't injured every day I want to play some games and feel I've earned my pay Oh, I wish I wasn't injured every day I want a brand new knee for Christmas While you're with your family We're all trapped in a and And we try to make it Christmassy in here we have mince pies and drink mulled wine Made from Rositsky's twisted spine And when we ride off to Santa All we want is horse placenta this year Well, I wish I wasn't injured every day oh, I'm paralysed! Or at least from roughly August until May Oh, I wish I wasn't injured every day My groin is twice its size this Christmas uh, Look, uh, Doctor, how can you help me with these hamstring problems? It's a very simple procedure. It's a state-of-the-art technology. All I have to do is cut off his leg. What? Simple fact, if he doesn't have any legs, he can't have any hamstring problems. What? Ha <laughs> ha! Let me at him! Stop it, you madman! You're killing him! No, stop it! Look at all that blood! When we get to Christmas Day, we'll put Santy in a sleigh. 
Andres Coughlin and Arteta as elves too. Tiny little men. But we couldn't get reindeer. So we'll try to use Wilshire. Though the weight of the antlers might destroy both his ankles when we do. Well, I wish I wasn't injured every day. My head fell off. But the chances are I will be anyway. Oh, I wish I wasn't injured every day. My ligaments are tweaked this Christmas. Well, I wish I wasn't injured every day I want to play some games and feel I've earned my pay Oh, and I wish I wasn't injured every day I want a brand new knee for Christmas Three weeks or three months Why are we Doctor, I told you before, you cannot fix a hamstring problem by cutting off a man's legs, huh? How are we supposed to know that unless we tried? Well, look, it's obvious, okay? If he is a footballer, he needs to have feet to play football. He needs his feet and his legs. But maybe he could compensate for that by becoming extraordinarily good in the air. But he's about four foot tall now. But that's Sentinel That's true, it was that height before. Okay, Doctor, you're hired. Marvellous. Out of the way, Lewin!